Good afternoon, short-term shoppers. You are now in the short-term show special episode series on the Western North Carolina mountains. So this is everywhere from Asheville all the way down to Bryson City, basically that entire southwestern corner of the state. We're going to be doing a deep dive, 10 episodes worth of content on investing in this part of North Carolina. Now, we do have some supplemental materials for you over on our website, things like purchase prices of investment properties in this market, as well as the AirDNA income data. Thank you, friends over at AirDNA. So if you guys want to know uh, what all of these properties cost, you know, the different purchase prices, you can see that on the shorttermshop.com, as well as the income data. You can find that there too. If you guys want to buy an investment property in Western North Carolina with a short-term shop agent, email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we will get you hooked up. Or if you just have more questions, you want to come hang out with us some more. We've got a great Facebook group with a wonderful community of investors over at short-term rental, long-term wealth, same title as my book. And if you guys want to chat with us live anytime, we've got a call every Thursday and you can join that at strquestions.com. We look forward to seeing you over there. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Short Term Show special episode series on the North Carolina side of the Smokies. We have a great cast of characters today who I, I cannot with Joe. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we'll introduce everybody on the panel really quick. Got a Few, everybody's a familiar face at this point, but a few different people than we've had on the rest of this series of episodes. So Jay, say hello. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm uh, the agent out here in beautiful Western North Carolina, Viking enthusiast, and uh, I'm looking forward to crashing a deal with you. And if you close a deal with Jay, he will take you axe throwing. That's right. <laughs> uh, next, we have Joe, which again, if you guys are watching on YouTube, he has has set himself up this like set for lack of a better word with his coffee and he's got his legs crossed with his fireplace in the background and it's just it's it's a scene so joe go ahead and introduce yourself yes yes thank you avery see we we do things different here here in the north carolina smokies and so we're very classy um fire pits coffee um many leather bound books as you can see but um i'm uh i'm the agent for the short-term shop in the carolina beach market i'm an investor myself Got a couple of mountain properties up in Banner Elk and Carolina Beach, and uh, I'm uh, excited to be here. And thank you for having me. Thank you, Joe. Uh, next, we have the infamous Chuck Kramer. Chuck, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, investor, retired tech exec, and uh, uh, master of uh, quite a number of different topics. So, um, which is why I'm on all these different podcasts. So, I feel like I can contribute. Yes, you absolutely can. Contribute. So today we're talking about the setup process. So you've already closed on your property. You're getting set up. Uh, so where do we start? Do we start with the property itself and the furniture, et cetera, or do we start with our systems and people? Well, it depends on uh, if you buy it furnished, you know, as long as the furnishings are nice, you can get started with your systems and people and, uh, you know, just add that as you go. But um you, you definitely want to get that being up in the mountains. There's especially in like Haywood County and Swain County. There, there's just not a whole lot of the furniture shops that are close by for you to get that furniture. So you have to, you know, travel to Asheville or 
you know, Wayfair or something to get your uh, your furniture. So it would behoove you to just start on your systems and do what makes sense at the time. So, yeah, I guess it depends on how far along that house itself is. Right. 100%. 100%, 100% yeah, well, let's, across the board. Let's start with people. So we talked a little bit about how to source your vendors last time or on the last episode. So let's talk today about how to get them set up and rolling. Um, Chuck, what do you have to to say about this? Well, I, <laughs> the, the people that you find are, are going to help set the tone for that. Um, you know, in a lot of cases in different markets, we have good cleaners that may not necessarily be tech savvy. So you don't want to be pushing them into a system that uses Slack and an app that they're not familiar with. You're going to lose them. You're going to have to adapt uh, and meet somewhere in the middle on those things. So if we have a list to start out, that's one of your questions for those people. How do you want to communicate? How do you work? How do you make your assignments? And then you need to figure out a way to work that into your system. Um, in a market like here in the Carolina Smokies, you don't have a big labor pool. Uh, you're not going to be able to go in and say, I'm going to do it this way. And if you want to work for me, this is the way you do it. They don't want to, they won't work for you. <laughs> it's that, really that simple. Um, so you may end up, uh, if, you, if you're in multiple markets, sadly, you may end up with multiple systems, for each, one for each market. Um, you need to make sure that it's the way you can communicate and you set expectations ahead of time. And they need to do the same. And it's, it's your job to ask them what their expectations are of you, too. Um, I don't care whether you're talking about a, a housekeeper or a handyman or even a, um, you know, some markets are big enough or have people that will just help you with setup sort of a concierge kind of service, um, but need to make that clear ahead of time. You don't want surprises. Yeah. And so for those listeners who have a lot of, well, let me back up. A lot of investors want to hand their cleaner a checklist and say, here, these are the things I want you to do. Do you think this is a market where that's going to fly? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, I mean, within reason, uh, you know, if you go like, here, I need you to trim the trees and all this stuff, you know, the cleaner's probably going to look at you and go, yeah, no, sorry. But, you know, as far as, you know, it, I, I don't, the state up here doesn't, re- I'm going on hot tubs for a second, but the state up here doesn't require you to do it after every uh, booking, but I know some people like to do that. So uh, hot tubs are very popular up here, but it's kind of hit or miss with your, your cleaner, whether they'll want to sp- i mean it takes a while to fill up a hot tub and completely drain it so i mean it just depends on your cleaner and what they're they might charge you a little extra but um you know in, in my experience you know and people i've talked to i mean it, you just if as long as your list is reasonable you know it's it's fine yeah I, I mean i'd be okay with a checklist for a cleaner but not expecting them to like check off every box and send it to me every time just so like hey these are all the things just so you don't forget to do one it, that I think that that works fine in most markets, but um, a lot of markets, like Chuck said, they're not tech savvy or they already have their processes in place. This is a market that has a lot of short-term rentals. All the cleaners kind of do the same thing and have the same processes, and you don't want to bog them down with paperwork, so to speak. Um, so I would I would caution against having someone check off every single box on a checklist and send it back to you bef- after every clean. But that's just me. And Chuck's absolutely right. Up here, I would totally recommend um, working with their process because it just, you know, where it is, you know, we don't have a lot of computer stuff out here. So we're in the mountains. So it might be easier, you know, and some of your cleaners are older up here, you know, they're retired and they do this 
you know, just to make some money on the side. So they might not be, you know, tech savvy. So you're going to have to work with their process. Not and, to uh, just completely throw more and more praises on Chuck. Cause I mean, he absolutely is crushing across the board, but setting the expectations up front, most important in my opinion, because like the start of getting your property up and running, that's the sprint mode in my opinion. That's where we're here to really maximize our time so we can get it up and listed and having that conversation of this is the property. This is what we want it to look like. And like, can you do these things? And just being very open and honest with your cleaner, that will probably that goes farther than most everything else that you're going to do, in my opinion. No, you're you're right. I mean, <laughs> the the crux of our business is a good housekeeper. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you don't have a good housekeeper, you are not going to succeed. And you don't want to lose a good housekeeper because you're asking too much, or you're not clear. Uh, you, both of you are not on the same page about what needs to be done or what's expected of the other. Set it right up front. It's probably the most valuable resource you're going to pick, the housekeeper. So, one thousand percent, and you have to treat them like gold. Treat your housekeeper well because yeah. they you can't you can't live without them. All right. So we talked a little bit about housekeepers. Let's talk about uh, getting set up with decor and furnishing. So, mo, let's say for the sake of being brief here, most properties are going to come decently furnished. Decently meaning like almost fully furnished, not like to the level that you like, but that's not what I mean by decent. So if we're not having to like start from scratch and just furnish everything, what what are we kind of leaning towards in terms of decor? Like extra cabiny or modern cabiny or these are all technical terms, by the way. Uh, what are we thinking here? They're in the dictionary. I've seen them. Um up here is, is similar to the, the Tennessee side. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, cabins up here and people do come here for the mountain experience. So a nice rustic look is uh, good. Um, you can, the, the, uh, the modern rustic's good as long as you, you, you know, you stick more to the rustic than the modern, you know, people love the mountain experience, but they also love something that looks, you know, symmetrical and nice. Um, that for the most part uh, in those cabins, like, but if you get towards, you know, a more modern house or something like that, then, you know, that's normal look is fine. Um, be careful with, your, you know, your all log furniture and stuff like that. Uh, in certain cabins that, that really just gives off like a summer camp vibe and, and it's just, it doesn't look good, but um, you know, the log furniture definitely can be Im- implemented in a way that it makes the, the space look great. So uh, Chuck, what do you think about furnishing? You're going to have plenty of time with pictures and you're probably going to uh, have some video that your agent or uh, your inspector has provided as well. You need to take a hard look at the place and say, what do I need to do to put my fingerprint on it? What do I need to do to make it mine? Because um, otherwise you're just buying a product that somebody else created and then marketing it. You're going to be better at marketing your own product. And that can mean colors, general vibe. Um, I, I have never seen a home that didn't need some sort of updating. Um, and that could be as minimal as new mattresses, box springs, maybe a new sofa, all the way to completely redoing all the furnishings. Um, you want it to be consistent. There are, uh, if, if you have the money, there are people that that will hire designers, but I would caution to make sure that your designer knows the market. Um, all too often I've seen, um, maybe a little bit too often, in fact, uh, designers, they do a great job. The place is beautiful, but it doesn't match the market. <laughs> um, you know, you can look at the pictures and go, that's fantastic. And there are people that will rent it, but you got to look at what your core audience is looking for. Another way to do that is the infamous enemy method. 
take a look at the places that are really booking in the area and look at their pictures. I mean, obviously they draw people in um, and not just based on price or location. You know, it's an overall package. See what's selling in that market. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Like that's Gary Keller 101, you know, it's fine who's doing the best success and then copy that. Use that as your baseline if you want to try something new, but keep your baseline and always come back to that. So, And that's why I love this industry so much is because there's nothing stopping you from before closing on your property, going and staying in one of those top performers houses and looking at all your enemies and then physically coming to your space. Cause this is what I like to do. I like to come to the space and spend a week, maybe two, just going through everything and seeing what we have, what we want to change, how we want to put our own little spin on it. And that's where we set up our systems and our processes and build our owner's closets. But most importantly, we set it up for our photography. We set it up so that we can compete directly with the top performers in this market. You can't go wrong with that. Enemy method to the T and spend some time in your own unit. That's, that's how I like to do it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And if you can't invite a friend or a very close friend or family member to do that and give you feedback. So exactly. Yeah. You can always leverage it out to the T. You yeah. definitely can do it. Um, I'm just one of those weird people who like to go and like put my hands on it right off the bat. And so like you can do it so many different ways. Yeah. You know, same way. I like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. When possible, it's, it's absolutely the best way. Um, yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing something cool. We're doing something maybe a little different than your average run of the mill cabin, but not so different that we're completely taking ourselves out of the market. Like a Minnie Mouse thing themed cabin is probably going to be weird in this market. It's probably not going to be one of the top performers. So you want to stay true to the market while still being cool is my very technical quantitative uh, suggestion. True to the market, but be cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you know, do take the time as you're as you're looking at your uh, enemies to figure out what you can do to make yours a little bit different, just so that when they're looking at your listing on on the OTAs or even your own website, you don't look exactly like everybody else. You do want some unique items. Um, uh, re- I, I've, I've got a good contact in the furniture industry who uh, in another market who came who was talking with me the other day and said. A guy came in with a picture of another cabin and he goes, I want all the same furniture and I want it in my cabin exactly this way because my cabin is the same layout. That, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, you, you need, I, I stress this often, you need to have your own fingerprint. People need to see that it's yours and it is different, something unique, even if it's just different art. So, Yeah, you got to put your own flavor on it. Yep. I totally agree with that. So, all right. I think that's enough about decor and furniture. What about property management software? How do we get that set up? When do we start that process? What does that look like? Uh, Well, the first thing is you should start early and listen to Luke's podcast on PMS software uh, (laughs) um, to compare the different products. But you should start that almost right. uh, Even before you begin looking, um, you should have an idea how you're going to run your business. Um, the PMS software is less dependent on what you buy and where you buy it and more dependent on how you want to run your operations. So, uh, but uh, most of the current software, um, not going to get into all the details of the different ones. It's not that hard to move and change. You know, your, your decision is not one that locks you into concrete. It, uh, um, they'll all import, almost all of them will import your Airbnb or Verbo or booking.com or, or even some of the regional listings. So, uh, it's not 
it's not a huge decision, but you need to start with something because you need to start populating it and be ready to go. And so. in, in the way our contract process works up here, it's so cut and dry that, you know, after due diligence, you, you have a clear picture, you know, you're most likely going to close. So getting a head start is always a good idea to, uh, you know, you don't want to, you want to maximize your time that you have it on the market rather than like, you know, this whole void of space where you don't have it on the, on the listed, you know, yep. just puts yeah, you if, behind. If the place is already listed for rent, uh, you know, as a as a short term rental, and many of them are, you know, take a look at the current listing and say, is 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 that is that my listing? You know, is um, you know, is that the way I want to portray my place? Is that the personality I want my place to my online personality for my place? Chances are it's not, but that doesn't mean it's not a good starting point. You know, it's take a look at the at the current owner's listing and just turn it into a simple outline or a list of points that they're making. And then add your own and rewrite it. Um, a lot, but a lot easier than starting from scratch. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, in North Carolina, we have to honor bookings on a short-term rental if you buy it up yeah. to 180 days. So, I mean, if you've got a bunch of bookings on the place, you really want to get it up and listed like as soon as you close. So, yeah. um, just to take advantage of those bookings. Yes, absolutely. And if you're picking it a property management software and it's your very first one, like pick a great one and try to be the best at it. And you can always switch. It's not difficult to switch to another one if you don't like the one that you're in. But as you're adding more and more properties, it gets a little more complicated if you've got five, six, 10 listings um, to switch it over. And so really enjoying the one that you're in right off the bat and then deciding, okay, do I want to try one of these other ones or am I the best at this? Because, I mean, if you're picking a brand new software, like this is most likely your very first property. Yeah. There's plenty of training for these things too. So out there. Yeah. And, or, I mean, if you buy with Jay at the short-term shop, then you'll go to Management Monday with Luke and he'll teach you how to do all this stuff before you close. So, um, all right. So enough on, on property management software. Let's talk about the tech hardware that you'll need to buy. So what do you need to have in this house tech-wise to help you run it remotely? Well, well, no question. Go ahead. I was just going to say like uh, the automatic, you know, the door locks where you can program codes and those are, you need those. And you'll always want to have like a, a spare tucked somewhere around in a box too as well. But uh, yeah, you'll want that. And the, uh, the remote uh, thermostat, um, what, else, what What were you going to say, Chuck? <laughs> Actually pretty much that, but a, a few of the things that may not be intuitive to folks is um you know, when you get your uh, internet service, regardless of whether you get it from a cable company or satellite or uh, DSL or, or fixed wireless, they're usually going to provide you with the modem slash router combination. My suggestion is to also get your own wireless router, potentially turning off the Wi-Fi that they provide you. Um, and, and most of them can do that. And, and the reason I suggest this is that way you can set up your, your Wi-Fi the way you want it with your name, your passwords. If the company has to come in and swap it out because it's gone bad, you're not scrambling to change all your documentation because all your router is going to plug into their equipment and your Wi-Fi network is going to be the same. Um, and everything is just going to reattach immediately. So as a tech that. guy, Chuck, as a tech guy, Chuck, I completely endorse what you just said. So I was an IT guy for 15 years. <laughs> and you can pick 
the router that you want that's going to give you the best exactly. Wi-Fi across the board, which is then going to connect to all your different systems. And so yeah. having exactly. a great having a camera that you're never going to check because you don't ever want to check it. But if you need it, you have it. That's always important. The wireless locks that you can have. And really, I mean, if you have those two things, you've got the core of what you need. And there's plenty of more softwares out there. You can add all the the Nest um, thermostats and you can do the noise monitors if you want. But the uh, most important is going to be that lock and that camera, in my yeah. opinion. And, you know, and I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole, but I, I don't recommend the Nests for short-term rentals. There you go. Um, they're, they're learning thermostats, and that really doesn't work in a short-term rental environment. Um, you end up turning off all the learning features, so you've just paid a lot of money for something that you're not going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go with the Honeywells or the Echobees, they have features that uh, are actually very attuned to short-term rentals, including like vacation modes, limits that of uh, the thermostat up and down. Um, Luke has a whole podcast on this, but... Uh, um, you want to be careful about what you buy and, and whether or not you can actually use its features in the cabin. Um, having your own routers, or you may even need an extender, depending on how the cabin layout is or how large it is. Um, you potentially, from the beginning, want to be able to put that equipment in a locked cabinet somewhere so your guests can't turn it off uh, intentionally or accidentally. Um, you know, if it's, in a, if it's in a room where they may sleep, they may not like the little red light and unplug it not realizing what they're doing. And yeah. uh, I also like to use a router that has at least two networks on it. Usually they call it a guest network. So you can put uh, your door lock, your thermostat, your cameras and all that on one, and then use the other one for guest access. Um, two channel. Um, yeah, and you're absolutely right about that. Um, the extenders, uh, yeah, you might need an access point because signals can get wonky up in the mountains. So if it's like a multi-level, you might not... Wi-Fi might not reach upstairs, so you might need to stick an access point on the ceiling. It looks like a little smoke detector, so I don't think there's much that you need to mess with on hiding that. But, uh, yeah, it just attaches to the ceiling and extends your Wi-Fi range. Um, and, you know, depending on your layout, um, you may want to uh, get a water leak detector, depending on your uh, the home and the way it's set up with your water supply. Uh, those are, those, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not cheap. Uh, they're anywhere from 80 to $200, but that's a heck of a lot cheaper than having an unknown water leak, especially in the off season when the cabin's empty. Winter, <laughs> when yeah. the cold snap comes through in December and busts your pipes. Exactly. Yeah, it's such it's a great point. Making right from the beginning. We just had a hot water heater explode in a top unit and it flooded down um, in one of my good friend's cabins. So yeah, water detection, huge. What about internet? When do we set up internet? Because I know that can be a thing in markets like this where it can take a while or there's not a lot of options. And so what are we doing for internet here? You know, I I would recommend at the beginning, you know, once you get through due diligence and whatnot, and you know that you have a clear picture that you're going to close, I would get it started as soon as possible because, you know, the internet people are slammed up here. There's different options, several different options on this side, but just like anything, even with contractors, get get on the radar as soon as you can, you know, and, and then just, You'd be like, hey, I need it on this date, but I'm contacting you three weeks early. So that way it all lines up and, you know, the stars and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, a lesson learned hard way is that some providers, um, you know, you might be thinking, I'll just take over the Internet that the owner already has there. But some providers don't let you do that. They want that that previous person to turn in the equipment and issue you new equipment. So make sure you do it plenty of, with plenty of advanced warning. 
but certainly asking the owners what they're using now is is a good place to start. Oh yeah, no, we every contract, my uh, transaction coordinator always we we always get like the all the utilities and internet and stuff for our clients. So we like to get that up front for you, but. Please, please, please do not do any of this stuff last minute because if you're expecting internet as soon as you close and you call the day before, you're not getting internet for like a week. So, and who would you typically call to be there for the installation? Because I know it's like between 12 and four on Tuesday. Uh, who do you call to do that? Your cleaner? Um, you can. Some some of them do have policies on somebody needs to be in the house. But, um, you know, up here, if it's like a vacation rental or something, typically, um, you know, they'll some of them will go and just do it while you know while it's unoccupied um you can call your cleaner you can call your handyman just have somebody there you know in in many markets if you're dealing with a bigger company you know the the spectrums the coxes the comcast um try not to call the 800 number because those people are just reading off a script you know if 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 you can make it out there inspect during inspection or visiting your home go to the local office talk to the people there. They tend to understand the whole door code culture, door code culture, and uh, you'll get different answers from them about what's needed for installation. So, And then they might have something for you to sign saying, Hey, I understand. I'm not going to be there. I give you permission to go in. So. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how a lot of the cable and internet companies are really archaic, especially, and they don't pay attention to the area that they're in. It's just like a, a blanket, way of doing things when, you know, like in any of these markets down here where I live, people just aren't here. Owners aren't here to necessarily be there for all this stuff. It'd be ideal if they could be, if you can, then by all means do it. Uh, if you're down uh, in North Carolina to set up your property, but sometimes you can't and it's kind of annoying when they can't do it. Uh, all right. So we figured out internet. What's the main internet company in that area or internet options? Let's just go over that really quick before we hit some other things. So we have a local ISP up here that kind of services Maggie Valley and the Jonathan Creek area. That's uh, Zito Media, formerly Smoky Mountain Cable Vision. That kind of sounds like something from the 50s, but uh, they got bought out by Zito. But Zito's got a weird range. You know, like I remember I had internet on on my uh, one of my properties over in Jake Creek, but then, you know, down the road, they didn't go out there because the lines weren't run. So it's kind of hit or miss on that one. But uh, the big cable company out here and a lot, services a lot of the areas around here is Spectrum. So um, there's other options that we have to go with when you're, you know, up higher and internet can be a problem. That's more of like your, uh, you know, you're like AT&T and Verizon kind of internets and stuff. Just uh, like the matrix, there's uh, levels of existence we're willing to accept just to get you some internet up there. All right. So what about TVs? What kind of TVs are we putting in these places? I say you got to have a TV in every bedroom, not just the living room. I know I caught a lot of heat from that when I posted that on Instagram as a reel, but guys, you do. So even if it's just that there's several families in the house and they want to watch different football games, there needs to be more than one TV to do that. It's not about like whether or not it's healthy to sleep with the TV on. It's not about you. That's what I have to say about it. But what do you guys say? Um, I, I see that very common up here on like existing short-term rentals. There's usually a TV in every bedroom. Um, there's, I mean, there are some I've seen that there's not because they're smaller and, you know, 
But yeah, I, I agree with that. In the I've end got that of the all day. the time. Got in every one of them. Smart Roku TV. Yeah. And I got one in the living room right here behind me and the one in every bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they have to all be the same brand, in my opinion. So there's only, they all work the same way. So if the, they know how to work every TV, if they know how to work one TV. And I, I use Roku's also. We do. So yep. it's the easiest to use. And, and yep. for the love of God, if there's a CRT in your, um, and here's turnkey short term rental you just bought, throw that away. What's the C- what's that? CRT. <laughs> C- <laughs> uh, like the uh, old box TVs, the CRT uh, style. That's a big box. Oh, it just means like metal. it's not flat. I didn't know there was a name for that. Now all these tech dudes are laughing at me. Yeah. I didn't know there was a name for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm over here like, what the heck does this mean? They're all in yeah. little... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they have those, old, I get it. Yeah, you're young. I, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, we had those. We had those up until I was in college. Like, I think that's when flat screen started being the norm. They stopped making the other kind. What is what is it called? A C a C what? It's CRT. It's just the monitor style. So, um, yeah, I saw one the other day in a in a furnished short term rental that had a VCR combo on it. I'm like, dude, like people still on VHS? Let's go. Let's get a flat screen in here. Yep. It's hard to even find DVD players now. So we have to um, actually one time when we moved into a new construction in Tennessee and the internet wasn't connected for like two or three weeks and we had to watch DVDs. Uh, I could, I couldn't find DVDs. Everything's Blu-ray and I don't really know why I had to have DVDs. Oh, and in the motorhome, it's a DVD player too. That's like installed built in. And it's really hard to find DVD players and just DVDs and Blu-rays anymore. So uh, even that is becoming kind of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could always get a PlayStation or something. Those all still play DVDs, but yeah. Walmart. Yep. <laughs> Redbox. Redbox. Oh man. I for- I used to love Redbox in college. Does anybody remember Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That now that was fun going on a Friday night and getting they had the all the candy that you can't get just at the regular gas station. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yep. Yeah. I remember I sure the rest of the DVD was in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get home and it's something that's not not good. Well, I would go in there and I'd get to go pay and my mom would have like a $75 late fee where she'd just never taken something back that she'd rented for us. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I can't rent this. Yeah. Um, that's why I like Netflix when it first came out, like, you know, back in the day, Netflix just mailed you DVDs. They weren't a streaming mm-hmm. service. So you could keep it as long as you wanted. You just want to get your next DVD. one. Yeah. 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 They still do that. And, yeah. I remember thinking when the streaming part of Netflix came out that it was stupid. <laughs> and now look at us. It's like part of culture now. Yeah. Well, that actually is a great segue into my next question. Are we getting cable or are we only having streaming services? I'm a streaming only fan, but what does this market say? Streaming. Yeah. The Roku, like Joe was saying with that, those are very popular up here. And just about my sister-in-law will come up here to visit and stay in a short-term rental while she's hearing us every time, every one I've seen is is a Roku. So um, that seems to be the, the most popular option because it just you know, it's a variety. It lets you watch what you want to watch. No point in putting cable on because you're at the behest of like the, the networking. So the Roku's now also have a live TV option, which I found that I've just been checking to see. And like, it gives you the local news and whatnot now. And hmm. so that's the complaints I used to get. I used to get complaints that I can't see the local news or something like that. Um, and now that they have that option, I have not seen 
any more complaints on it. So I'm an all streaming service kind of person. Yeah, the only issue I've run into is, uh, and we use guest mode, uh, you know, so we don't have any liability if people leave uh, leave their stuff logged in. But um, during big sports times, like right now, uh, while we're recording this, March Madness is going on. You know, we're uh, Saturday college football, Sunday NFL. Um, people want to watch that, and they don't always have a, a login account that will get them those services. So that's the only complaint I've ever gotten about streaming, and and we've solved it by just uh, having a code that we can give them to log into uh, uh, ESPN and um, uh, Hulu Live if it comes yeah. to that. So that is a good idea because up here, you know, during the summer when we get slammed in July and stuff, people are wanting to tailgate and watch sports and all that good stuff. Yeah, and. and I during the off season, I mean, you know, people are going to be in the cabins more and, um, you know, dad's going to want to watch his, uh, his college game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or uh, his football team. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will argue that, well, now you have to subscribe to so many streaming services. It's the same price as cable. But for me, I, I think it's still worth it more so than cable because with streaming, you're not limited to just what is playing live at the time. Like, yeah, there's some on-demand stuff, uh, on cable, but not as much as streaming. So I like to choose what I want to watch right now and not be limited to these, you know, 40 options that are on TV that I'm not even interested in 39 of them. So I think it's still worth it, even though it can add up to, if you have enough, um, subscriptions to enough services, it can add up to that, but I think it's still better. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's in the budget, it's in the budget. So yeah, it definitely adds value. Yep. That's one of those amenities you need to evaluate and determine uh, what's going to get you the biggest bang for your buck on your rental. And as we're getting these places ready, I'm switching gears real quick to amenities. Are there any specific amenities that we're adding? Are we doing fire pits? Are we doing hot tubs? Is this a market where you have to have a hot tub? We kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, what are the amenities that we're adding? If if you can hack it, hot tub 100%. Like um, a lot of the ones that are already short-term rentable that are being sold, they'll, they'll most likely usually have a hot tub. And I can guarantee you every short-term rental up here has a fire pit outside of some kind. It is very popular up here because, you know, what's better than sitting around the fire looking at the mountainscape, you know? So that is 100%, uh, you know, recommended. And if you can hack it, yes, put a hot tub in there because that's also people go nuts for that. So, And that's a, another good plug for the enemy method. Mm -hmm. Take a look at your the top performers in your market, the ones whose calendars are full, and see what their amenity list has on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, game good. rooms, game rooms are starting to um, gain a popular. Not like the um, you know pool table, but like the the video arcade games. Uh, I'm starting to see those a lot more in short term rentals up here for like the the kids rooms and stuff, like Pac Man and stuff like that on the on the old arcade machines. Those are awesome. I'm a big fan of those because. You get the arcade and the game feel without having to deal with the individual games that can get lost and whatever, like have to have uh, your credit card input on the streaming part of the game so that people can buy, you know, the, the add-ons and things. So again, they could log into their own account, but I do like the arcade game better than the actual game console personally. I'm not a gamer though, so there may be something that I don't know about it that makes it better feel free to uh to at me on instagram if that's the case yeah yeah no yeah i agree with you like games but there are um 
systems that you can use to lock up the console and then you just power it on and then there'll be like a menu where you can select what game you want to play and then uh, it plays it for you um but then you you know you got controllers too that could get lost and broken and you know the arcade games are really good all right uh well back to inside physical things inside of the cabin so what are we stocking in a kitchen here? So this is a big point of discussion, I think, because there's a lot of people out there who want everything to be as good as the kitchen that they have at home, which I agree. A lot of people might be cooking holiday meals and big meals for people and things like that. But what what are we putting in these kitchens? Are we putting like mid-level? I, I'm saying like a mid-level pots and pans like pack uh, and then, you know, a pack with one of those assortments of like spatulas, slotted spoons, things like that. Uh, and then obviously your silverware and everything, but there's like a lot of little things that may or may not be a good addition, like an air fryer. I'm cool with that. I don't really want people messing with an instant pot in my house, even though they're pretty hard to mess up, people can still make mistakes. So what, what are we putting in these things? Yeah. And I, I would put, you know, a decent level of, uh, you know, pots and pans and stuff like that. You really don't want to get crapperware or something. And, um, you know, make it look a little bit nicer, but you know, I, I honestly wouldn't, I agree with you. I wouldn't put an air fryer or a Instapot in there. Definitely probably put a, like a Keurig coffee pot combo in there. So, you know, give them the option if they want to brew their coffee or if they want to use a, you know, K cup to brew their coffee, that's always a good idea in there. And um, always, always put a corkscrew in your house because, you know, People love the wine up here. And if trends are sticking in North Carolina, November, December are best months. So you do see the families coming and cooking meals and stuff. So you want to, you know, you know, take that to, into consideration when you're stocking up your kitchen. So, yeah, I wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea to put like a turkey pot in there. You know, I mean, as long as you got room, why not? Yeah, I would say multiple corkscrews because there's nothing more annoying than when you're trying to open a bottle of wine and you're like, crap, there's no corkscrew. So I would have multiple corkscrews. I definitely think a slow cooker is a good one to have. Um, a crock pot. Yeah. would be nice. Um, stick a, you know, tasteful bottle cap opener on the side of something, you know, the way you can just pop your beer. So Whatever you got the space for. If you've got the space to add some of these additional amenities, do it. Um, mm -hmm. If not, just make sure the stuff that you have is a little bit higher quality and that, they're, again, they're not missing anything. Like I like to put multiple sets of spoons, forks, plates, knives, things like that. The little things that people aren't constantly doing dishes, things like that. But uh, if I've got space, I'll put some of the cooler items you guys are all talking about. But mm -hmm. Um, most of my kitchens are unfortunately a little small. Well, yeah, you know, it's a big one. Too, yeah. So. Yeah. Kids wear for sure. Because that kids break stuff. Yeah. And, and if you have outdoor dining, you want uh, some sort of a dishware and glasses that are less prone to breakage. So, yep. Or just inexpensive. You don't want yep. grandma's china in there, you know, because that's going to get broken. If you've got a cabin that, um, you know, sleeps more people, let's say, I don't know, uh, 14 and up. You may even want to consider a countertop ice maker because most refrigerators won't keep up with a group that big during the summer. Oh yeah, you're right about that. You were right about that. That's a great, a great one because people start using a bunch of ice and they're like, there's no ice and then they're mad and then they're complaining. So mm -hmm. ice maker that, yeah, that's a, a good one. Another like big, it's a small thing, but it's definitely something that's been mentioned a bunch of times to us is a pizza roller or pizza cutter because mm -hmm. 
especially people with kids like, oh, we're going to throw a frozen pizza in there for the kids. And it that is also really annoying when pizza there's nothing to cut it with. Yeah, I've used scissors on multiple occasions, but uh, <laughs> a roller would it, a roller is a big one to yeah. that's helpful for people. Yeah. And, you know, these things are fairly inexpensive. It doesn't hurt you to have a couple of different kinds because. Um, you know, the, the hot thing in pizza cutters now are the large wheels that are about so big and uh, almost fit in your whole hand. Incredibly easy to use and clean. But some people want the more standard one. Uh, get, yeah. Getting back to corkscrews, you know, some people don't mind wine keys. Others just can't work them. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they, they want the, the rabbit ear kind. The, yeah, the dolly yeah. looking ones. These, these are cheap. They don't take up much space. Give people options. Yeah, yeah, every... Surprisingly enough, my pizza cutter at home is a is a bearded axe. <laughs> it's, it, it's a pizza cutter, but it looks like a Viking axe. It's funny. Uh, it's beautiful. I just have uh, a regular one from Williams Sonoma. Williams <laughs> Sonoma. Yeah, you know, there in everybody's drawers at home, you have all those obscure things like a potato masher. Like I can't tell you making mashed potatoes with a fork and squishing them up like a potato masher is so awesome. So just all those. <laughs> Those little obscure things, you know, I mean, you might throw some deviled egg trays in there, you know, so sharp knives. Think, out, think outside the box on it. What, what would you want if you were to cook a meal at your house and, you know, kind of go around what that would be like? Yeah. And yeah. The place don't, I don't, stayed in, Mon- in Montana last week or two weeks ago had um, actually really nice food storage containers, not like Tupperware, but like nice stuff. And it was organized really well. And we did use it. You don't think about, oh, I might want to throw this in the in the refrigerator for later. I don't have anything to put it in. So that's something to think about too. Yeah. And and don't forget servingware. It's not just about prepping and eating. You gotta there's that interim step <laughs> uh that comes between cooking and putting it on the plate. You need something yeah. to put that food in. You need this, you know, big bowls for the mashed potatoes or salad, um, you know, something to put that you know the steaks or the chicken on or turkey. Um you need to provide those. Um on Absolutely. the on food storage containers. I mean, something we've made a habit of doing is we buy huge boxes of the food prep stuff, almost the same kind of thing that you get carry out. And we just have our housekeepers change it. I mean, it, it's obvious if it's been used or not usually. And we just don't, don't worry about it. If there's any doubt, throw it out and put new ones in. Um, Cause we tried the Tupperware route and then you end up with a bunch of things that don't have tops or a bunch of tops that don't have bottoms. And uh, <laughs> it just goes that much faster in a rental than it does at home. So yeah, absolutely. Disposables. It, it, it's less headache. Yeah. I love, I have, I use paper plates at my house all the time because I just don't so want do to paper bowl. We, we have kids. That's why like, it's so yeah. much easier. Yeah. So much easier. My daughters make so many damn dishes. I'm just like, you know, I'd rather spend the extra money and buy paper plates and bowls. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else, anything else on the kitchen or anything else in general? Cause we're kind of to the end of the points that I wanted to cover. Anything else we need setup wise that we haven't talked about? I guess we need to talk about um, the the things you'll need or your cleaner will need for turns. So that's extra linens, paper products. What are we leaving in the cabin for people like coffee filters, et cetera? What do we do there? Yeah, leave your coffee filters, stirs, you know, all the basic stuff like that. Um, a lot of places up here will supply K-cups. You know, to a to a reasonable degree. You know, they're not gonna leave a box of them out, but uh you know, coffee, creamers. What do you see, Chuck? Um, exactly that. We also leave, um, we, we've been buying these small, like one pound uh, th- things of sugar that you can get on uh, from restaurant supply shops. And we just leave that. And we tell the, you know, we tell the cleaner, just make sure it's good. And um, 
you know, again, if any doubt, throw it out. We're, we're, we're talking about less than a dollar. Um, you know, and I would say th on things like the K-cups and the dish pods and maybe laundry pods, if you leave those, don't be stingy. You're talking about 15 or 20 cents a pod. The last thing you want to do is start putting your guests in a bad mood because they're one pod short, <laughs> you know, and they've got to make a special trip. Um, don't, don't risk a bet, you know, a, 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 a star on your review because you only wanted to leave three pods instead of four. Just, just do it. Yeah. Get one you of those caddies that close. You're doing something else wrong. <laughs> get, get one of those little K cup caddies and fill it up like that. Like, you know, fulfills the expectation oh it's not half full it's all the way full so yeah you know and don't eat the tide pods though no yeah and i i would advocate you know that during the during the winter you know have some have some kind of type of tea tea bags or something and uh you know during the summer maybe have some of the iced tea bags and a pitcher for it um people may never use it but they'll notice that you have it yeah and they'll appreciate right. it yeah, they 100% will. And also look at what your competition is providing. If your competition is providing K-cups, tea, coffee, creamers, all that jazz, um, if you want to compete with them, you got to have those things. Yeah. And so we take a really hard look at that of like, what does everyone else provide? And I like to provide more than everyone else. And then it kind of raises the bar. But um, yeah, that's all your own personal preference on what you provide. Yep. All right. What about uh, sheets and towels? Where are we getting those? Uh, and what are we getting? Places. <laughs> Where do you get yours at, Joe? So I get all of my towels from Costco. So we'll do a really large Costco deal for all of our towels. And then we, uh, it's harder for the sheets and whatnot. So we get most of our stuff off Amazon so we can send it directly back here if we need more replacements. Um, that's just kind of been where we've been getting them. It's something that we can repeatedly do. Um, I know there's better options for towels, but I really like the Costco quality. I'm not sure there are better options for towels. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to the, you know the white your white bathroom towels and stuff, yeah, um, you know I've I've tried them all and I keep coming back to Costco. So that's good. You know the uh, we one. do Amazon Utopia brand basically everything because yeah. it's I think that's the Amazon brand. Maybe I might be wrong about that, but I think it's the Amazon brand. And it's always easy to get. And you know sometimes your cleaner will provide sheets and towels, but we like to. Uh, in some cases, I think we might have just switched in one of our markets to letting the cleaner provide them so we don't have to mess with it. But you ideally want to provide your own to the cleaner so that you have control over the quality, in my opinion. You know, and the number one item bought on Black Friday is towels. Just a little tidbit. Of oh, I did not know that. But... <laughs> That's incredible. You wow. can really never have too many towels in a short-term rental or your own house. It always seems like there could be more. I could benefit from having more. Yeah. Especially if you have kids. Like... Yeah, that's such a great idea. Go buy all my new towels on Black Friday. Yeah, Probably. man. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've, we've talked about a number of uh, getting a number of different things, but what we haven't talked about is, is where to get it, how to get it to the cabin. Um, you know, I, I know there are folks that just rely on Amazon, but how are Amazon deliveries in this market? Uh, it depends where you're at. Uh, location, location, location. Um, you know, a lot of... I don't want to say anything bad about Amazon or FedEx, but, uh, you know, sometimes they're not going to go up to your property and you might have to arrange that, you know, to get that somewhere else. Or, you know, if you have a relative there, have it sent to your relative, have your relative take it up, et cetera. But uh, I just had a problem recently where one Amazon truck delivered to their front door, you know, some stuff. And then the other one just left it at the bottom of the hill at somebody else's house. I don't know if that was error or if they just didn't want to go up the mountain, but uh, you know, 
up here there's some definitely some roads where it's really hard to get an amazon truck or ups or fedex up in here so you might uh might have to come up with alternative measures of especially big ticket items like beds and you know furniture and stuff um you, you might have to make arrangements for that sure and that's something that you can maybe have a conversation with your cleaner or uh or handyman about whether they would accept deliveries for you. Yeah. Uh, looking it up, it appears there's only one Amazon locker in the entire area at a Staples mm-hmm. in uh, Waynesville. Yep. And uh, actually- you know, lockers won't take the large things, they, like mattresses, for example. You know, they if it doesn't fit in the locker, they won't take it. So. Yeah, and um, we do have there, there is one furniture store I know of here in Waynesville. It's High Country Furniture. Um, but you know, it's really nice stuff, like really nice stuff. And, and you're going to pay a good amount for that stuff. If that's what you want, it's, that's an option for you there too. And it's local if you buy on like the Haywood County side over here. But uh, as far as I know, the closest furniture store is going to be Asheville. And if you're buying over in, um, you know, Waynesville, it's 30 minutes away. Um, I don't know if you, any of y'all have ever used Wayfair for that, for furnishing, but uh, you know, sometimes they have good stuff. Yeah, it seems to be a hit or miss, and it has as much to do with the uh, delivery company as it does with anything else. Um, um, yeah, yeah they, they, they have good stuff, no question, but uh, it doesn't always arrive in the shape that you expect it to. Yeah, I ordered a couch from Wayfair, and I, I live on the third story in an apartment building, and they made me carry all my furniture up the stairs. So like, <laughs> they're like, screw that. I'm like, well. Oh, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that gets back to those original discussions with uh, your potential housekeepers, or um, and do you, are, are you aware of any sort of cabin concierge services in your area? I know, like they have some of that in the, in the Smokies, in Tennessee Smokies, but um, that's what I'm aware of. But it's now on my radar that I'm going to go look for those and see because that'd be a very, uh, very handy service for people, especially up here, and especially if you're up on the mountain. So. Be a moneymaker for somebody as a as a as a side gig. So, hmm. so if you live in the area and uh, you're think you know you need a side gig, uh, this could be it. Just gave me an idea, <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, or I mean, you could use like a host GPO or a Minoan to to do all this. Um, but again, I don't know exactly how it works in the more remote areas might be the same thing. So I definitely check with either of those vendors on, on what they specifically do. Uh, all right. Anything else in regards to setup in this market that we should hit on? We've hit on uh, consumables, your linens, uh, what you need to have in the kitchen, furniture, your hardware tech stack. Uh, you know, did we go over cameras? I know we, we did thermostats and, and door locks cameras. Kind of just on them, but yeah, I'm they're not absolutely necessary up here, but they are handy that like you know, put outside your door to monitor traffic in and out. Um, you know, w- one thing I saw in one house too is like an outside nature camera that uh captured all the wildlife coming in at night, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like an extra amenity kind of thing, but uh, just threw that out there because that's kind of neat. Well, and as a, as a marketing tool, um, if you have uh, like a killer view. Maybe you can put one up on a roof or roof eve or something as sort of a internet webcam and, um, you know, use that in your marketing that, you know, check out our view, literally, <laughs> you know, mm, that's cool. see what um, you're missing. I love that. Yeah. 
It's from the bird's eye. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, if that is it, then we will sign off. Guys, if you want to buy a house with Jay and go axe throwing, email us agents at the shorttermshop.com. That will also get you access to Management Monday with Luke, where he'll teach you how to set all this stuff up, among other things related to basically everything related to running your short-term rental remotely. And uh, if you guys just have more questions, there's a few places you can get us. We have a weekly office hours call on Thursdays. You can sign up for that at strquestions.com or join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Same as my book. Thanks, guys. Take care.